0: <قل> أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَهْلَكَنِيَ اللَّهُ وَمَن مَّعِيَ أَوْ رَحِمَنَا فَمَن يُجِيرُ الْكَافِرِينَ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ قُلْ هُوَ الرَّحْمَٰنُ آمَنَّا بِهِ وَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْنَا فَسَتَعْلَمُونَ مَنْ هُوَ فِي ضَلَالٍ مُّبِينٍ قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَصْبَحَ مَاؤُكُمْ غَوْرًا فَمَن يَأْتِيكُم مَّعِينٍ رب يشرح لي صدري وييسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله وصلات Rasulillah, على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ثم ما, ما بعد. Once again, everybody. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله Alright, guys. So we are now in the sixth and final section of the surah. Allah says. Tell them or say, uh, do you actually perceive? Uh, in Arabic is not just physically seeing, but also perceiving, thinking, have you ever pondered or reflected that if Allah were to kill me violently or give me violent death, Ihlak in Arabic is a violent death as opposed to imata, from mawt, is simply death, but halak is a violent death, right? So if Allah were to, ki- to kill me, and this is the Prophet saying, if Allah were to give me a violent death about himself, ma'ya, And along with me, whoever is with me, if he was to kill me and the people along with me. رحمنا, or if he was to show us mercy. Incredible words. Instead of saying, if he were to give me a violent death or leave me alive. Yet again, a cross comparison. Instead of saying, kill me or spare me, he said, kill me or show me mercy and love and care. So to Allah, life itself is rahmah. Life itself. And we don't wish for death. We wish for Allah's rahmah. So anybody who has hopes in Allah's Rahma is not hoping that they die soon or something. That's not a, that's not a, the way the Muslim thinks. Subhanallah. فَمَن يُجيرُ الْكَافِرِينَ مِنْ عَذَابِ Then who is going to rescue or save the word? Interesting vocabulary. Uh, يُجِيرُ إِجَارَ يُجِيرُ إِجَارَةٌ comes from جِيرٌ and jair جير and jiran, which is used for neighbor uh, and and actually ijara means of of you to be protected in the vicinity you're in. So the who is going to give you vicinity like you know ijara is literally when a, a neighbor comes and says I'll take care of you come and hide in my basement or come and stay with me and that kind of protection is actually called ijara okay so Allah neighbors you when he protects you Allahumma ajirna minan nar protect us with your company from the fire right by being our neighbor so bring us close to you and away from fire that's that's actually ijara as opposed to Qina adab al Protect us. That's just protection raw. But ajirna, ijara is actually to be in the company of someone and protect them. Okay? And that's why you get the word neighbor from it. Al-jar, jiran, things like that. Okay? Anyway. Who is going to protect disbelievers from a painful punishment? A few interesting things to note here is it began with araaitum. Do you all see? Do you all see? Uh, and if it, the question begins like that, it should end with, Do you all see who's gonna save you from painful punishment? But it says, adabinalim." It actually stops addressing them. This is actually a third degree on top. What do I mean by that? In the beginning... Allah was talking to them directly. Then Allah said, "I'm not going to talk to you directly. I'll have my prophet talk to you." Now the prophet is talking to them, and halfway through, he's not even talking to them directly. He switches over from you. It's this third degree of separation. Just get lost. Other implications of the use of al kafirin here is Allah highlights it's not just you're not just being thrown into hell or being thrown into painful punishment because you're you. It's because you're in denial. It's because you're burying the truth inside. So the cause for you being treated this way is not just there's some animosity, it's not personal. If it's simply personal, you don't have to uh, highlight the quality kafirin. The fact that the quality has been highlighted is suggesting that this is the reason for which you are being treated this way. Please understand that the word kafir in the Qur'an is never used as a generic term or as a soft term. Kafir is a pretty bad word in the Qur'an. Uh, You're not in a good place if you're a kafir. You're not you're not in the good books with Allah. It's not a general, just neutral term for non-Muslims in the Quran. You know, we use it that way. We actually use kafir for any non-Muslim, and that maybe something became coined in Islam, in Muslim civilization and sociology. We kind of just, as convenience, started talking about every non-Muslim as kafir, right? But the Quran doesn't. The Quran is actually very emphatic in how it talks about this particular brand of non-believer, this particular brand. And it has other language for other kinds of non-Muslims. Okay, uh, so there is a, there's a subtle difference in terminology. Um, anyway, كان <laughs> من uh, Actually. Allah, the commentary by Ibn Ashur is that this is in response to something that disbelievers were hoping for even even uh, planning for killing the messenger of Allah and killing the people around him these people have become too much of a nuisance I'm far too offended with them of course it's a thug society it's a gangster society so if you rub somebody the wrong way especially their pride in a society like that one pride is enough for you to kill somebody right? so they're ready to kill and yet the language isn't in Taktuluni. If you people kill me, in Qatal if you were to kill me, or spare me, or kill the people with me, he said if Allah were to give allow a violent death to happen to me, you don't control my life and death, buddy. That's in the hands of Allah. It's actually still defiant. The language is still defiant. They're ready to kill the Prophet ﷺ, and Allah Allah's Messenger is still reminding them through Allah's words, actually life and death doesn't belong to you. And if a violent death shall come to me, it is because Allah allowed it to. Ahlakani Allah. If that's the way Allah wants me to go. It's not Allah violently killing me, but Allah allowing you to violently kill me is the implication here. Along with the people that I'm with. Or if you were to show us some mercy. The other beautiful thing, before we saw everything Allah created is full of mercy. Matarafi rahmani This time the 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 implication is. Life itself is rahma from Allah. Life itself is an act of love and care from Allah. al ajali min And actually having a prolonged life is one of the extensions of Allah's mercy. The Prophet وسلم compared dying violently versus being spared or remaining alive with being shown love and mercy. Okay? نعمة نعمة what a beautiful thing to say. For a believer, a longer life is actually more chances to sow the seeds of a better afterlife. So having a longer life just means you have more time to do more good. So it is a mercy from Allah. It is something we should hope for if we are going to continue to stay on this right path. So our you know, our hope isn't we die quickly. Our hope is not in when we die, our hope is in how we die. Ma'al Take us away in the company of the righteous. You know? salihin. Enter us in the company of the righteous. That's it. Other than that, we don't wish for it. You know, but that's not that's not something we hope for. Then of course, Faman min what's the point of this ayah? The Prophet is saying, look, whether you kill me or not, your problem's not going away. If, if Allah was to kill me, and people with me, who's gonna save disbelievers? The entire argument is not whether or not how much I've offended you. You can shut me up, that won't change reality. Allah is talking, the Messenger is talking about a reality. And it won't disappear just because the message disappears. It's as silly as thinking, the meteorologist says, there's a, there's a thunderstorm coming this way, there's a tornado watch. Let's kill him, or let's turn the TV off. Ah, finally we're safe. Stupid! <laughs> he's just telling you that it's coming. He doesn't control what's coming, whether he's there or not. It's still coming. You should be grateful that he at least sent was sent to tell you. <laughs> and then, okay, fine. You know what? You guys do what you're gonna do. Whether we warn you or not, whether you kill us or not, looks like you're not gonna listen. By the way, when someone's come to the point where they're ready to kill, then clearly they're not interested in conversation anymore. So just tell them, قُلْ هُوَ Rahmanu." He is the incredibly loving, caring, and merciful one. The fact that he didn't just kill you because you were thinking about killing his messenger, is enough of an indication that he spares. And we believe in him. Amanna bihi. We believe in him. Wa alayhi tawakkalna. And in, in him alone, we have relied. Notice, amanna bihi. It's not bihi amanna wa alayhi tawakkalna. The jar are not muqaddam both times. One of them is after, one of them is before. Let me tell you what that means in simple English. We believe in him. And as a result of believing in him, we believe in his promise. We believe in his messenger. We believe in all of what has, what he's come with. We believe in his warnings. It's not limited to just believing in him. And everything that He has given us to believe in is itself a mercy from Him. So the fact that this surah is dominated by meanings of hell, like descriptions of hell and warnings to disbelievers and the destruction of people by the earth swallowing them or the sky ripping them apart and things like that, doesn't take away the fact that even those warnings are coming from Ar-Rahman. So that needs to be reconciled by the end. Ar-Rahman kept coming up in the surah, didn't it? Over and over and over again. Why would that be the case? Why would he keep mentioning Ar-Rahman in a surah that's dominated by punishment? He would mention this. This this is an act of loving care and mercy. Do you know that the Jewish sacred text, the Old Testament and the New Testament, actually not the Jewish text, but, but the New Testament also, have virtually no description of hellfire. Completely gone. Completely gone. There is not a single ayah about the fire. Not One. Not one about judgment day, nothing. Now there's only two possibilities. One possibility is it was never there. It was never there. Except, You prefer worldly life, next life is better and lasts longer. Suhufil Ula Ibrahim wa Musa. The scriptures of Abraham and Moses contained that the next life is better. And it would certainly contain why it's better. And it's always been there, except it's not there anymore. It's just not there. You can't find it. Actually, in some secondary Jewish texts that aren't even considered sacred, there are descriptions of hell and heaven very similar to the Qur'an. But they're not considered part of the Torah. It's removed from the Torah entirely. It's it's incredible what they've done. I'm amazed at how much you can clean out the Akhira. Each one of them wishes to live a thousand years and they can't get away from that punishment even if they were given that much years. They tried to get away from the punishment so much they removed the punishment. And they're actually similar to if we don't hear about it, it ain't gonna happen it just won't happen my God what an amazing erasing that has been done across the old scripture it's mind-boggling bogg- mind bog- and they say well we want to believe in a merciful God we don't want to believe in a God that has hell and that's what the Christian comes and tells you your book's got a lot of hell what kind of merciful God is that? you know hell fire and it's gonna cook people It's gonna burn them boil in water Ugh. There's a lot going on there, you know. And I say, okay, here's what we believe about our 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 master, Allah, about Al Rahman. We're living in this life. He created this life, and by the way, He's our master first. He's our master first, which means He has the ultimate authority. Fa'alu yurid, He does what He wants, and He creates reality. I didn't decide that the sky should be the color it is, or the earth should be the texture that it is. He made it the way it is. And I, I didn't decide that I should have five fingers or the faculties that I have. He has a plan for what he makes. And wahwal He's the one who creates over and over again, and he knows what he's doing. So he's the one who created heaven and hell. Done. He also created the system by which you will, what will, will be determined by whether one is going to end up in heaven and one is going to end up in hell. Now, you guys and I, imagine we're in this 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 room represents this life. There's a door that way. There's a door this way. One door, open it, it's hell. The other door, open it, it's what? It's heaven. But those doors are closed. Both of those those doors are closed. And there's not even a window. So I don't know what's on this side, I don't know what's on that side. I only see what's in here. What did Allah do with our scripture? He made sure He describes what's on the other side over there, and what's on the other side over there, so well, that you can see it. Without ever opening those doors. He with his words, he showed me what is on both sides. Look, whether you want to accept reality or not, that is reality. It is a mercy of Allah that he painted the picture of hell as graphically and as disturbingly as he did because if he didn't, would I have taken it seriously? No. And if I take it seriously or not, it doesn't change the fact that it's still there. He already made it. It's already part of the plan. You're already either gonna go in it or get away from it. I'd rather know about it then not you're mad at Allah for creating it or telling you about it you should, be, you should be grateful to Allah it's an incredible act of mercy that he told you about the consequences of hell and by the way what happens what happens to a people that believe like our Christian friends a people who believe who lose sense of the seriousness of hell because it's not mentioned the way it should be it becomes a joke it becomes heavy metal. It becomes highway to hell. It becomes skulls with flames on them. It becomes cartoons. It becomes movies like Hellboy. It becomes, you know, a, a literature in which you can dive into the depths of hell and come back out of it. It can become heavy metal parties with fire surrounding you and people wearing devil horns and tails and holding a fork. It's all a joke to them. It's just a joke. It's just a party. That's all it is. You know? It's not, it's not taken seriously at all. For, we don't joke about hell Muslims don't joke about hell no way no way we don't we don't use the word jahannam in a joke we just don't do it they do we don't have the expression what the hell are you talking about ma jahannam ma nar al we don't say that we don't even throw that we don't do it because it's not it's not funny to us and it's not a casual thing for us to talk about. Allah removed that from the equation. Why? Because to us it's way too real. It is way too real. And whether they believe in its reality or not. And they actually do believe in hell. They're just bothered that our religion talks about it. You know? I would say that is an ultimate mercy of Allah. I would rather hear about it and cry now than even get to see it a little bit. I would rather read سَمِعُوا لَهَا shahiqan than actually hear the shahiq you know, I'd rather not there was, I'm reminded there was a fellow god I forgot his name when I was in, in 1835 when I was in the MSA he used to be a guy he used to come and do MSA programs right, and his, he used to do a halaqah called remembering the hellfire remembering the hellfire and he'd come into the MSA room he turn all the lights off ok, no windows, all the lights are off and he had this, I'm dating myself but a tape player, a boombox with you know d batteries okay and he put this tape in and played and it's a it's a tape of loud animal sounds screams explosions (sighs) "Ah!" that, that crazy stuff and there's people screaming in pain and please stop and it went on for 35 minutes lights are off and you're hearing this disturbing thing for thirty-five minutes, and you hit stop, turn the lights on, Jazakallah That is not how Allah taught us. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> it's it's not how Allah taught us, <laughs> huh? Yeah, it's it's a pretty epic experience. <laughs> <laughs> So, we, we, we used to make stupid jokes about it, like, you know, like, it was better than the lecture. <laughs> this is stupid. Anyway, some people just don't learn, you know. So anyway, He's the incredibly, and he's the, the one who would give us death, he would never do so because he's al-Rahman. By the way, in the previous ayah, اَوْرَحِمَنَا Either he would give us violent death, or, or give us mercy. By the way, he's exceedingly merciful, so he won't give us that death. It ain't gonna happen you're not going to be able to kill us. Because he's Ar-Rahman. And because we're on his side. How are we on his side? nabihi. How do you become loyal to this king? mulk. How do you become loyal to him? By believing in him. And if you believe in him, then he will take care of you. You can just rely that he's going to take you. alayhi Exclusively on him, we have put all of our trust. We don't need to worry about what you're going to do. Because that's not up to you, that's up to him. It is actually not a, just a statement of faith; it's a statement of defiance against the Quraysh. Do what you want. Do what you want. make your plans. Go ahead. lakum If you got a, if you got a scheme to make and kill, go ahead. We'll see. nakiri. How was my scheme against you? Let's just see. Then manhu fi soon you will see who is obviously obviously in clear open misguidance and obviously misguided immersed in misguidance by the way dalal came before dalalin kabir but this, this is actually a contrast of one kind of mubin and the other kind of mubin inna ma ana nadhirun mubin and now fasata'lamuna man huwa fi dalalin mubin Right, I'm clearly warning you, and you're clearly misguided. That's the contrast that's happening here. And when you don't take advantage of the clear warnings, then clearly you are misguided. That's the contrast that's drawn here. The other thing that's interesting about this ayah is, he is Ar-Rahman, and we've believed in him, and we've relied on him, which means Allah's mercy, and his care, and his love is going to envelop us, and you're just missing out. Every time the name is used, it's an invitation. Every time, no matter how defiant you've been before, you're being invited to make your way back. And the final ayah of the surah is, قُلْ in تَصْبَحَ مَاؤُكُمْ غَوْرًا to Tell them, if you were to think about this, if, don't you see, or did you see, did you consider that if your water was to be absorbed, in أَصْبَحَ مَاؤُكُمْ غَوْرًا If your water all of a sudden became completely absorbed, you know, غَوْر in Arabic, قَعْرَهُ when something goes into the earth and it goes deep inside, the water just sinks into the earth and you can't get it out no matter how deep you dig. And it just completely disappears into the earth. What water what's their water? Ma'ukum? What's the water of Quraysh? Samzah. Remember before Allah said I might stop your risk from the sky in رسكه, which is the rain. Fine, we at least have zamzam. No, no, I'll take zamzam away too. Then what happens? In أَصْبَحَ غَوْرًا فَمَنْ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِمَاءٍ Then who will bring to you water? And that water has the quality of being ma'in. And ma'in is looked at in two ways. قُلْ هُوَ مِنْ مَعَنٌ أَيْ كثرة فَهُوَ عَلَى فع- Who will bring you plenty of water? The fact that your water is there and it's enough for you to survive in the middle of a blazing desert is itself a miracle from Allah. The fact that Zamzam is enough for you to survive. Okay, That's the only water supply they have in all of Mecca. And so and without it, the Mecca doesn't exist. It can't exist. And so the fact that it's plentiful is captured inside the word Ma'in. Uh, and then Ali ibn Abbas, he actually says fresh water. Ma'in azb. Now this is the meaning of of Ma'in. The other is, uh, you know, in Arabic, when you say Aana, Ain uh, 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 and ma'un on ma'in and becomes ma'in this is لِتَسْهِيلِ الْكَلَامِ لِتَسْهِيلِ الْأَدَاتِ so تَرَاهُ water that can be seen with the eyes water that's pleasing to the eyes who's gonna bring you water that's gonna give relief to your eyes this is the conclusion of the surah and I wanna start inshallah ta'ala with just showing you what's happened in this passage it's only made up of three ayat and these three ayat make up a perfect symmetrical structure in the first of these ayat, Allah said, what do you think if Allah kills me and those who believe with me? That's not gonna change that punishment is coming your way. But which kind of punishment? Adabun alim. That's the punishment in the next life. And in the last ayah of the surah, skip one at the last, you don't have to wait for adabun alim. Allah could bring punishment to you right now by doing what? Getting rid of water for you. Getting rid of the water, and the only way you can spare yourself from the punishment above and the punishment below is to join us, which is bihi wa alayhi right in the middle. So death above and death below and survival in the middle, right? That's the, this is how the last three ayat are structured. I'll tell you something interesting about the the, the structure of the surah. There's a famous orientalist; she's pretty good Quranic scholar. Uh, she's not Muslim. Angelika Norwick. She talks about the structure of surahs in the Quran, and because they look at the Quran as let's see how can I describe this to you. They look at the Qur'an as literature. They don't look at it as divinely revealed. Right? And so that when they when they analyze it, and they also critique it, they critique it as literature. Because when you critique literature, you say the things you appreciate, and you say the things that could have been better. So she actually argued while writing a critique of this surah. She wrote some many beautiful insights about the surah. But being an orientalist, she wrote a critique, and she said, perhaps uh, the last verse of this surah should have been وَعَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْنَا فَسَتَعْلَمُونَ مَنْ هُوَ That would have been a more appropriate ending. Look, at the end of the day, He's al rahman we believe in Him, and we have only put our trust in Him, you will know who is clearly misguided, because it's an awkward ending that the surah ended with just water will be taken away. It's kind of like this subset of an argument, so it doesn't seem like it's a good conclusion to the surah. From a literary point of view, that was her point. Interestingly enough, uh, this conclusion is the best suited, again from a literary point of view, not even from a faith point of view, from a literary point of view, if you go back to the beginning of the surah. Allah says, Tabarak mulk. Above and beyond expectation and the constant is the one who has all kingdom in his hand. A king is known by his castle or his throne and his throne rests upon water. Alal ma'. And by the end of it, If the king doesn't give you from his kingdom, what does he not give you? Water. Where are you gonna get it from? The only place you get water from is the king. Is the one who has al-mulk. You know, his arsh rests upon water. So it's actually, and by the way, water throughout the Qur'an is one of the most dominant expressions of Allah's kingdom. That's why nahnu is used most commonly with water. Anzalna, anzalna, anzalna alma. It'll be the rest of the ayah will be singular and all of a sudden the royal we will get used when water is talked about. They'll switch over to it. Right? So it's actually it begins with Allah's divine majesty and the surah concludes also with Allah's divine majesty. Barakallahu li fil Quran al Hakim. wa wa